Welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the nightmarish Matt. Hello there. Sorry, I didn't quite catch that. Hello. Hello, hello, can you, can you hear me? Hey, you're a, you're a cheeky chap today, aren't you? <laughs> uh, I'm in good spirits today, Matt, I don't mind telling you. Oh, good. Any um, reason why? No, none at all. I mean, it's horrible weather outside. Yeah, um, I'm going to apologise in advance. <laughs> You'll probably be able to hear the rain drumming on the window in the recording. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, absolutely no reason at all. I just um, just uh, got out of bed on the right side this morning, it oh, seems. Oh, excellent. Um, and uh, on top of it, I'm quite excited to talk about this one. Um we are, of course, talking about Can You Hear Me this week. Um, very excited to get your thoughts on it and, indeed, the listeners' thoughts when the time comes. Uh, but uh, how's your week been, Matt? Let's start there. Yeah, not is too this, bad. Is this a new official segment? Yeah, I think, basically, we've just tied in all the rubbish we used to do and now, under the guise of it being an impromptu, how's your week been? Uh, <laughs> yeah, not too bad. Um, since we last spoke, David... Yep. I have completed a further two chapters of the Doctor Who adventure game. Ooh. I've only got one left to go. Mm. Except wait, wait. I found yeah. out there's a whole second series. So I, Well, they say there's a second series, but there's literally just one chapter to that series. So oh. I, I, I'm going to do it all. I've played three. I've got two to go now. Exciting. Um, would it be giving the game away uh, to to say which one's been your favourite so far? Uh, still probably episode one. Episode two is almost identical to episode one. Right. Except they've taken all the Daleks out and replaced them with Cybermen, but they behave <laughs> in exactly the same way. Yeah, and that's lazy. Episode three is a weird one. It's based mm. entirely on the TARDIS. Right. You go to a couple of rooms on the TARDIS I don't think I've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. And then there's just a big Doctor Who quiz. Oh, yeah, that feels like they maybe ran out of ideas. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't bode well for... I'm for, not ashamed to say, David, I got 10 out of 10 first time. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Is it all very specifically uh, RTD and early Moffat? Uh, no, basically you go to this room in the TARDIS called the drawing room and there's right. like a hat stand that's got Tom Baker's scarf on it. Uh-huh. And when you click on it, it says, oh, this was knitted by, is it Madame Nosferatu? Hi guys, it's Future Matt here, just editing this week's episode, when I realised I'd given the wrong answer to that trivia question. It wasn't, in fact, Lady Nosferatu who knitted the Doctor's scarf, but it was, in fact, Madame Nostradamus. Please don't email or tweet us with any complaints or corrections. We're not interested in reading them. Thank you. And then later on, you do the quiz, and it goes, "Who knitted the scarf?" Oh, I see. So, so the game gives you the answer, and then tests to yeah. see if you've retained that information. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've played a couple of those. Played one on uh, our Discord uh, over on there. So I was joined by Jacobus X and Harry from Who Can Convince You. So we had a nice little chat. And oh, lovely. Then yesterday, I just woke up really early and couldn't go back to sleep, so I was like, right, I'm just going to bash out the next one. Fair enough, then. Uh, yeah. And whilst we're talking bonus episodes, I 
have absolutely rinsed my department's printing budget to print the entirety of RTD's damaged goods books. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it absolutely shreds any copyright law, but... Um, well, I don't know. It's been out of print for a long time at this point. Yeah, and I just thought, if I had my own copy, when we actually do review it, I can refer to certain pages and certain paragraphs yeah. and what have you. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm hoping to get it on my Kindle, like find a way to... to, to um, uh, you know, P- PDFs are a bit hit and miss on a Kindle, mm. so... Um, We'll have to see how that goes. Worst case scenario, though, I'll just I'll just uh, read it on a laptop and be done with it. Um, but yeah, I I am really really intrigued to read it. Mm. Um, very much looking forward to that discussion in a few weeks' time. Um, other than that, what have I got written down? Uh, I'm gonna have another root beer, David. After last week. Oh. Good luck. Yeah, I might open. Did, that. did you acquire the taste? Uh, I've only had the one from yeah. last week, uh, so I'm gonna have uh, this one. is made by Stubborn Soda. Ah, cool. It'd be interesting to compare. Yeah, because this one does not have high fructose corn syrup in it. Mm. So should I crack that open now? Do you think? Yeah, go for it. Oh, it smells a little bit different to the last one. Oh, do you know what? I prefer that to the other one. That might be a controversial statement. Yeah. Americans, do 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 get in touch on the old tweets. Yeah, this one's well nice. Let us, let us know if, uh, if Matt's uh, saying anything outlandishly controversial there. I've got a cream soda for later on as well, if I'm still thirsty. Uh, then, what else have I got written down? It's Valentine's Day tomorrow, David. Doing anything yep. nice? Um, not, not massively. My partner and I, we've, uh, sort of mutually bought a big box of chocolates to share and we're going to sit down and just uh, have a, watch a film together. Do you know which film? scoff too many chocolates. We're thinking maybe the Mitchells versus the machines. Okay. Because yes, we do have a child and we spend a lot of time watching kids movies with him, but. In our spare time, we do also just like kids' movies. And it's one we kind of want to pre-screen, so, um, yeah. Can I recommend the film Made in Manhattan? Uh, you can, of yeah. course. I just, I recommend you watch that. It's got Jennifer Lopez in it and Ralph Fiennes. Right, what do they do in it? It's a romantic comedy, David. She is a maid in Manhattan. Right. But she is also made in Manhattan. I, I see what they did there. It's got Bob Hoskins in it. Stanley Tucci. Mm. I don't really like romantic comedies. Oh, well, okay. Well, <laughs> maybe Made in Manhattan is the one to change it for you. Well, maybe, maybe. I'm making absolutely no promises. I, I secretly went to Booth's yesterday. I'm going to do a three-course meal for my wife as a surprise when she gets in from work. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have scallops for starters. And a lovely tamarind and soy chicken with rice for the main. Mm, very nice. Yeah. Haven't decided on pudding yet. Yeah. Well, um, good luck with that. Yeah. Hopefully she'll yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. Fingers crossed, eh? Mm. Mm. I don't know. I struggle with romance. It's hard to do it without I mean, being you, cliche. You struggle with romance. What about me? 
But yeah, you're, you're a I, sweetheart all the time. Ah, uh, that's one way of looking at it. I can't dial it up to ten one day a year. Yeah, well, the thing is, I don't. I think it's kind of absurd that that there is. We have manufactured this expectation to do that. Um, I'm. I'll be honest. I'm not a big fan of the general commercialization of romance as a concept. Um, you know, we, you look at some of the very sort of. It really, you know, when people really go to excess with weddings and things like that. Um, you, you mean I, like I, I did? Well, I don't know. I don't know to what extent you did because I, I, I wasn't uh, present at your wedding. But uh, y- you know, you were invited people... though, that weren't you? We haven't addressed that ever. <laughs> <laughs> you had plans or something that day? I think. I think I was. I was in a different part of the country. Um, I think it was just wasn't going to be realistic. I can't. I can't remember now. But I think. I think we were away. Um, mm, yeah. But. Didn't RSVP? Um, no, did you? There was two hot dinners waiting for you. <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, I mean, if you wanted to pay me the seventy pounds per head I paid for those dinners, that's fine. But <laughs> you know what I mean, though, Matt. I feel like I hope you know is... what I mean. I, I'm nearly hundred and fifty pounds down, mate. Um, uh, what was I saying? I've completely lost my train of thought now. Um, uh, you were just moaning about being happy on Valentine's Day. Uh, yes, that's yes. Feel free to interpret it that way, Matt. Um, yeah, no, I, but generally, I just I, it it kind of it's a bit of a bugbear of mine that um, that we 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 there is a this cultural expectation that the way in which you show your love for someone is by how much money you spend and how much of a, a, you know, a big deal you make out of things. And, and I don't really feel like that's what love is about. I feel like love is about being there for a person all the time and, you know, respecting them and, uh, you know, all all of that rot, all of that rot. The 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 real sort of the unglamorous side, if you like, of love. And that's what really matters. Yeah, I would say so. But uh, but everybody's different. I don't wish to. If anyone has grand um fancy Valentine's plans, if that's how you want to do things, that's great. Um, what I don't like is 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 the way it becomes almost this. This expectation, and if if that's not how you live your life, you're made to feel somehow like you're doing it wrong. Do you know what I mean? That's what I find frustrating. Right. Well. Well, should we move on? Uh, probably get <laughs> <Yeah>. ahead. <laughs> I feel that conversation had reached a bit of a dead end. Um, yeah. How's your week I, been? Anything I am the master of, of of that. <laughs> Sorry, what are you saying, Matt? How's your week been? Anything you want to talk about? Um, no, it's been massively uneventful. Really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what can I say? I I, I, I work from home, um, so I spend all day in, in front of a laptop uh, messing around with spreadsheets and sending emails to people. Uh, then I close my laptop, go downstairs and look after my, my child until he eventually falls asleep, and then I watch... Maybe an hour of telly, and then I go to bed myself. 
That is my life at the moment. If you want, I can put those Doctor Who video games in our Google Drive and you can play them <laughs> on your laptop. Pretend you're doing loads of work, but just have a little uh, break. Uh, yeah, but then I would get really behind on my work, Matt. And that would be very, very stressful. Um, yeah, oh, I don't know. I, it, that's the thing. I just, I'm not in a phase of my life at the moment where anything remotely interesting is happening. Um, got some stuff planned for later on in the year, but uh, nothing, nothing in the immediate uh, vicinity. Mm, nice little tease. Something to look forward to later this year. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but yeah. Ah, what? Yeah, sorry. Um, I don't really know what to say now. No. What's the, what a surprise. Um, shall we, Matt? Should we talk about the letter E? Yeah, why not? Why not? Let me just flip to the back of my book. How it relates to this show we both love an equal amount. Yeah, well, after last week, which was, you know, a content-rich week... Yeah. I kind of struggled with E... Slim pickings, isn't it? Mm. It is slim pickings. Uh, I, I, I got some episodes. I got a few characters, and that was about it. Okay, well, well, hit me with what you've got, and I can maybe uh, suggest some alternatives. Right. Episodes. End of the world. Yep. Empty child. Mm-hmm. Evolution of the Daleks. Yep. End of time part one. Yes. End of time part two. Wow. Eleventh hour. Yeah. Extremis. Yeah. Now, when I wrote that down, could not remember that episode at all. It's the Matrix one. What? Uh, Capaldi and Bill and uh, Nardo, and there's the Pope, and it, it turns out they're all in the Matrix. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Empress of Mars. Ah, oh, a classic. Also could not remember that one. Can you want me to remind you? Oh, please. From the same series. Yeah, I know. It's the one where they go to Mars and there's uh, Ice Warriors and uh, oh, Colonial Soldiers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that now. And it's like it's like the the ultimate Gatiss episode. Should we do the hat it's trick? Because like... I couldn't remember Eaters of Light either. <laughs> Guess which series it's from. Yeah, man. I know. When I was looking, I was like, did I even watch that series? <laughs> you enjoyed that series yeah, as well, it was good. quite a bit. <laughs> to be fair, um, it, certainly in the case of Empress of Mars and Eaters of Light, they are probably the two most inconsequential episodes of that series. What? Which one's e uh, Eaters of Light? Uh, that's oh, the is one that the Scottish Hill Ro one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Romans and Picts. Yeah, I do remember it. Uh, yeah, it's a nice one. Good vibe in that episode. Then from Classic Who, yep. we've seen Enlightenment, haven't we? We have seen Enlightenment, yeah. Yeah. Personal favourite. Then for characters, and this is really scraping the barrel, I've yep. gone for Elizabeth Liz Shaw. Oh, that is scraping the that, barrel. That was yeah. as okay. good as I could get. Yeah. Uh, then I've got Elizabeth Sladen yes. and Christopher Eccleston. Eccleston, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have to acknowledge it, don't don't we? That at this stage, I feel like Eccleston is the front runner. Yeah. Is that what you're going with, Matt? I, I don't know. Hear... Part, part of me was like, I might go for End of Time. 
I mean, I guess you could. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I might, I might go Empress <laughs> of Mars. You know what? I know. I know which one I, I'd sooner be throwing on for a, for a comfort watch. <laughs> um. Okay. So of ones that you things that you've not mentioned, I the, I always like to start with writers because you know writers is something that I'm particularly interested in when it comes to to Doctor Who. Um, but. It's really slim pickings for writers. You've got three writers. They're all one-hit wonders. Uh, two of them co-wrote their stories. And uh, they, they're all from the black and white era. So you've got David Ellis, who co-wrote The Faceless Ones with Malcolm Hulk, uh, which is what story I've not even seen because uh, it, it was missing and has recently been animated, but I've not picked up the animation yet. Um, you've got William Ems, who wrote Galaxy 4, again, was missing and has been animated, and I've not picked up the animation yet. And then you've got Paul Erickson, who wrote The Ark. And fortunately, those all exist, and that is actually one that I would consider us doing for a, a Hartnell story. We next come around to it. I, I really like The Ark. Um, so that's the one that stands out of those three, but they're all, as I say... One story in the black and white era and then gone. Yeah, so didn't make the biggest impact, it's fair to say. Uh, in terms of creatures and monsters, it's a really short list, at least if Wikipedia is to be believed. I've not gone beyond that. Because I, I, I had a look and I didn't know any of them. I think they were so, all classic. You've got well, you've got the Echnodyne who are from Amy's Choice, but who are actually fictional mm -hmm. because they're like, the you know, the ones that take over the, 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 the OAPs. Yes, yeah, but yeah. It's all part, but it's all part of the Dream Lord's dreams, so I don't know that they even count as real aliens. Um, you've got the Eminence, which is some big Finnish bullshit. It, like, literally every reference to it is, is big Finnish, so um, that's just something they play around with. Um... The big one is the Eternals, who yeah, but they're not relevant to today's episode, David. <laughs> I was about to say, you know, excitingly, they get they get quite a significant name check here uh, in in this week's episode, uh, and uh, you know, again, come from another E, Enlightenment. You know, that was their their sort of where they were the main focal point. Um, so. In terms of characters we've not mentioned, the big one for me is Evelyn Smythe, mm -hmm. who is a fan favourite uh, audio-only companion. Re the, the, the run of stories with um, the Sixth Doctor and Evelyn Smythe is amongst the best uh, runs in, in Big Finish's history. Mm -hmm. So if anyone's wondering where to start, with Big Finish, that's not a bad place to start going through some of those. Um, then we've got uh, the only other thing that I've got on my list, the only one which we've both written down, uh, Eccleston. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's my pick for me because, honestly, without Eccleston, I don't know that I would be sat here talking to you today about Doctor Who. Um that first series the way it captured my attention 
and turned me from someone who was curious about Doctor Who and had watched the odd bit of classic to someone who was like, oh, I could stick with this. Yeah. When I first watched it. He really does such an amazing job of not just, not slavishly. He does, it's not a performance of like, it's not the sort of doctor you would expect necessarily. In in terms of like what the public imagination was around what Doctor Who was back in the, you know, the early 21st century where everyone was just thinking, oh, it's like flappy coats and he's posh and he talks really fast. And, you know, that was the sort of like, um, the, the sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the public construct of the doctor, if that makes sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? Um, and then, in Waltz's Christopher Eccleston, with, you know, stupid grin and a very serious frown and very little in between, you know, no-nonsense northern accent, uh, you know, battered old leather jacket, and he's just commanding the screen every second the camera's pointing his way. And I, yeah, I, 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 I think it. You've got to acknowledge what an impact that performance had, and and how it really helped to get RTD's take on Doctor Who um, up and running right from yeah. right from the first episode. It became realised with Eccleston, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um. And and I just can't imagine if it had been like you know Bookie's favourite Alan Davis or someone like that, would it would it have stayed the course in the same way? Yeah, yeah. Or would it have fizzled out after a couple of series or something? You know, I just I I really think even though he only sticks around for the one series, and in some ways even that is a really crucial thing because I think. By him only sticking around for one series, it, it exceeds the concept of regeneration in nice and early and makes it, it, it tells you as a viewer, look, this is, this is a key, key part of this show. Um, and that's something that, that you who particularly has played around with more as a concept. And we've had things like the war doctor and now the fugitive doctor and, you know, it uses it uses regeneration as a narrative tool, so getting that that particular toy out of the box nice and early really works in you who's favour. I feel like yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so yeah, for all those reasons uh, and more that haven't popped into my head, my my pick is Eccleston, I, and I can't really think of anything that that's more significant than that. No. I'm just going end of time just because I like Wilf. <laughs> you know what? That is the one one very legitimate reason to pick end of time. Yeah. Yeah. When he's in his little... When that little spaceship having his Star Wars moment. Yeah. Ah. And, you know, there's a nice bit he's... where they're in the cafe. Yeah. And then there's the bit where he kills the Doctor, so... <laughs> Oh. All good fun. All good fun. <laughs>
funny. All right, speaking of good fun, or lack thereof, yeah. Do do we just can the idea of you recounting every entry into the A to Z? Yes, please. Right. (laughs) Done. There we go. (laughs) Right. Also, this week, a few people, when I put out on Twitter, can you send in what your suggestions are? What's the best thing about Doctor Who, starting with E? A few people put everything. It's great. I love it. So, uh, they got blocked on Twitter, David. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And I'm going to give people fair warning next week when we do F, if anyone says fan, blocked. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's the band word for the week, is yeah. it? Yeah. 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 Now just yeah. every week now I'm just gonna pick the most annoying tweet and block that person. <laughs> it's one way to well, I mean we would certainly wouldn't want to have too high a listenership for our podcast, would we? No, no, of course <laughs> not. Of course not. I mean, apart from anything else, it's only fair so we can give some of the other some of the little guys a chance, you know. Verity and, and Radio Free Scarrow and uh, the like. Yeah, but we're they, not. They need they need the listeners more than us. We're not helping out. You know who though? <laughs> no, we we of course not. It's been a while since we've mentioned them, but you know <laughs> they can stay in the dirt where they belong. Right, Matt. Hello. Hello. Um, would you like me to boot up Searchwise.net? and tell you what's been going on in the world of Doctor Who this week. I'd like nothing more. All right, then, strap in, everyone. It's time for Have I Got Who's For You. Cleverly preloaded it this week, Matt. Ah, well done. I'm prepared. Okay, so the first tip is Bleeding Cool with Sesame Street spoils Russell T. Davis's Doctor Who series 14 plans? Question mark, exclamation mark. The answer is no, no, they haven't. Yeah, I'd seen that. Isn't it just Elmo with some Daleks? I think so, yeah. So the answer is is definitely no there. Um, Cult Box, Doctor Who, Big Finish casts another new first Doctor. Yeah, I think I've seen that this week as well. Yes, yeah, um, sure, fine. To be honest, when it comes to Big Finish, the first Doctor is is not a Doctor that I'm, I'm very excited about getting stories for because he had a good run initially. Um... And, you, you know, for me, it's far more interesting seeing what they do with the likes of uh, the sixth Doctor who didn't get a great stab at it on TV or obviously the eighth Doctor, things like that. Um, but so, yeah, um, not not too fussed about that. But, you know, good news for those people who just cannot get enough first Doctor stuff, I guess. Um Digital Spy, first trainer for Doctor Who star Peter Capaldi's new movie. Great. I mean, it's not about Doctor Who, is it? Nope. It's just a thing that's come out with a man who was in Doctor Who once. Uh, Doctor Who star Jodie Whittaker shows off baby bump at the Brits. That's from Hull Live. Hull <laughs> uh, Live? Not, not, no, not Hull. To be fair to them, to be fair to them, slightly more relevant because, you know, Jodie Whittaker is a, is a local hero. She's 
you know, from just outside Hull. Or is it Huddersfield? No, it's Huddersfield, isn't it? South, I don't... South Yorkshire, it's all the it's same. It's still South David. Yorkshire, yeah. Anyway. Right, um, David, David. Yes, should, hello. Should we cut the bullshit and get straight to Elliot Ball? Well, what, I want, what I'm beating around the bushy with, Matt, is that certainly on the first page of results, nothing. Nothing from, from Plymouth Live. Oh, right. Is there not the article he wrote four days ago? Well, it's not come up on, on searchwise.net, so maybe they need to tweak their algorithm. I mean, he did um, write a further one uh, seven days ago. I, I, I just go straight to his Twitter. It's all Doctor <laughs> Who. Except, here's a story from the Plymouth Herald. Yeah. Britain's angriest town is actually the friendliest place ever. Right. You ever been to okay. Tavistock? I don't believe I have been to Tavistock, no. It doesn't even sound that angry. It's... No, I mean, I mean, these things are always... You can't, you can't ascribe an entire personality trait to a town, can and you? Reading this, just quickly breeze reading it, it's because they didn't want a McDonald's in their town. That was it. I mean, fair enough. If there's a general consensus that they don't want a McDonald's... What about, That's all right, isn't it? What about Plymouth Live? Doctor Who, David Tennant return would be fantastic, says Rebel Flesh Actress. <laughs> Why are they interviewing someone? Uh, they interviewed Raquel Cassidy, who is the okay. lady who played the part in charge of the company that was doing all the liposuction. You know, the one yeah. that had a sonic screwdriver. Oh, um, that's not the Rebel Flesh. That's um, that's uh, Smith and... No, not Smith. Uh, partners in Crime. Oh, hold on a second. Am I thinking of the right person? Uh, I don't know that you are, because isn't that... I thought that was Sarah Lancaster who played... It might her. be. Who the hell's Raquel Cassidy? Is she just the person who was leading the... Because oh, she, it was... She's it was just someone acid... I just... It's just someone I just don't know at all. Yeah, uh, she put, um, well, certainly the, 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 the setting of the Rebel Flesh is, is an acid mining facility. Do you know what? Do you know how I've made that mistake? Sa yeah. Sarah Lancaster played a character called Raquel in Coronation Street. Ah. Uh, that's, that's, right. that's how I've made that mistake. So I'll probably edit out this whole thing that I get wrong. Cause, All right, okay. Uh, what about rumours of Doctor Who return? Doctor Who companion return for classic star Ace rumours emerge. I bloody told you, David, that's my one guess for RTD coming back. <laughs> that would be interesting. Right? This year, yeah. if Ace comes back, uh, when we do the wheelie big quiz, all the money goes to me. <laughs> be interesting to see if that has a significant impact on the nations yeah. either way. Yeah. I tell you what, I'm making an executive decision, Matt, because this is the one that I didn't know anything about and I'm most interested in. This news has passed me by from Eurogamer.net. Doctor Who Idol Game on the way. A new Doctor Who Idol Game has been announced for mobile phones. The free-to-play app will include new and classic stories set in the worlds of the Hooniverse with familiar faces, enemies uh, uh, popping up along the way. The still-untitled game is being described as a narrative adventure in the idol genre, uh, the same as Cookie Clicker and Clicker Heroes, and is due for worldwide release this year. 
Exactly how this will look remains to be seen. Will he be building bits of the TARDIS to adventure further? Will he be gathering past Doctor Who incarnations and their companions? Etc, uh, etc. Et I'm intrigued by that. I, I, I don't mind telling you. I As silly as they are, I am partial to an idle game. Really? Yeah. Uh, in, in particular, I am a big fan of Kitten's game, and I strongly recommend it to anyone who has any interest in idle games. If you like the idea of starting with, with a single kitten in a in a catnip forest and eventually developing an elaborate space programme with your kittens, then Kitten's game is the game for you. Are you on drugs? <laughs> no, I am not. It's a really good game. Bloody hell. <laughs> You can you can you can Google it if if you like. I'm not. I already this have. Up. I already have. I'm worried about you. <laughs> I've been playing it on and off for years. Right. Um. I don't feel like we've hit our rhythm this week, David. Apparently not. I mean, I'm in a good mood, but um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's not. It's not been our best work, has it? Do do we need to be like self critiquing mid episode like this? I don't know. I don't know. Is this what people want? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> uh, tell you what, Matt. Let's put this all behind us, and uh, let's turn to our listeners and see what they think about this week's episode. Can you hear me? Okay. I thought you were going to say let's review the episode. That's why I was flicking through my book. I totally forgot we were going to do listener tweets. Hold on. Um, I feel like I'm going to do a big root beer burp as well at any moment, so I'm going to apologise in advance. <laughs> Pardon me, there it was. So, first message this week, David, comes from a newcomer. Oh, yes. We had a message from Ian Morgan. Hello, Ian. Uh, now, Ian has written for Timescope and Timescope 2. Oh, excellent. Uh, I'm vaguely aware of those. They're like uh, charity anthology things, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So we've yeah. got like a legitimate Doctor Who friend now. Oh, that's nice. Okay. He says, I literally can't remember anything about this episode at all. I hope that helps. Then when I joked and said, oh, that doesn't fill me with confidence, uh, he just uh, pretty much mirrored what we've been saying all season, that Jodie Whittaker's good, but there's too many companions and things get sidelined and it doesn't always mesh together that well. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very fair sort of take on, on, on series 12. I will say, I think we will find that there is a certain... As you get to the more recent episodes, people just haven't watched them as often. Yeah. It, it takes a while, I think, feel like, for for certain episodes to really bed in. Yeah, I was thinking about that when we were doing the A to Z because I couldn't remember anything from, like, last series. Yeah. But if you ask me about, I don't know, evolution of the Daleks, I'm on it like a car bonnet. I know it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, that, isn't it? Yeah. And even things I hated at the time, I kind of like now. Yeah, there's. I mean, that is a huge part of Doctor Who fandom. I think it's that the further the further away something is, or if it's something was very much, you, you know, was the Doctor Who that you experienced at a particular time in your life, you will have a certain amount of nostalgia attached to it for that reason, and 
for a lot of the people who are vocal within Doctor Who fandom right now, they just don't have that attachment or nostalgia for, you know, what was, you know, broadcast last year. Yeah. Which is fair enough. Right. We then have a message from Harry from Who Can Convince You. Say hello, David. Hello, Harry. Uh, Looking forward to listening to your, your interview with Mike Bat at some point mm. this week. Yeah, they kept that under their hat, under their bat hat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, give that a listen, everyone. I'm sure it's going to be going to be good. Uh, so Harry says, I can't remember anything about it. I googled to have a look and still can't really remember. I think it was well directed. For the A to Z, E is for exposition. I joke, but there's probably loads of it in this episode. Oh boy, is there. <laughs> Very interestingly done, though. We'll talk about that when the time comes. Uh, then we have James, son of Nicholas Courtney. Say hello, David. Hello, James. And James says, This story exemplifies one of the reoccurring issues of the era. It's far too stuffed with ideas, which it can't then explore in an interesting way. I also felt the, doc the Doctor was slightly out of character at the end. Yes, she is socially awkward, but in a can't-stop-talking way. He then says, E is for Earth, where the Doctor is president, and also where their mother is from. Ah, good pick, actually. Earth. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's their favourite planet. And then James says, Oh no, I forgot to add about Yaz. Apparently Chibnall's idea of giving her character development is to give her a backstory. That isn't development. She still has the same outlook as she did in episode one. Why couldn't we have started with her just after this and let her change? A very valid point there, Matt. But that is a second tweet. So do we need to strike it for the record? I'll, I'll edit that out when I come to it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, please do. Make sure that you do. Right. <laughs> Ariel uh, is up next. Yes. Say hello, Dave. Yes. Hello, Ariel. Ariel says, it's embarrassing that it took them this long to develop Yaz's personality, but I'm glad they finally did. I think mm. it's all around great for exploring the companions and has a pretty decent mental health message. The plot is meh. And for E, either the empty child Doctor dances or extremists. Yep. So, Ariel, they're the one person on planet Earth that remembers Extremis. <laughs> Congratulations. Okay. Next up, James Swifty Swift. Say hello, David. Hello, James. Uh, when I first watched this episode, I really liked it. However, every time I rewatch it, I find it ham-fisted and a poor attempt to take mental health. I think that should say seriously. Mm -hmm. Okay. I made sure... That I only wrote episode once. That's because I picked on him last week for saying the word episode a lot. And for <laughs> E, James has also gone for Eccleston. Yeah, the only sensible choice. Okay. We then have BT Flibbity Giggard. Say hello, David. Hello there. That's not what you say, David. <laughs> right? What if I just stopped? Some of but them, we didn't address it. Some of the listeners we give nicknames to. Some of them are in the Hall of Fame and we pretend that they're royalty. But when it's BT Flibbity Giggard, we pretend they're the curator. Okay? I'm sorry, Matt. Should we try that again? Oh, you know I rather think you might. <laughs> right. Next up, David, is BT Flibbity Giggard. Say hello. Greetings! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
already found. Right. <laughs> should we go? Should we go for a third pass at that? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Right. Now, next up, David is BT Flibberty Giggard. I was waiting for you to say the next bit because I, I, I talked over you last time. Yeah, that, I thought you were going to jump in that time. Right, round yeah. four. <laughs> okay, can we just dis- can we just agree whether or not you're going to tell me to say hello? Right, I will. Okay, right, I'm ready. I'm ready. We'll do this. Right. I'm sorry about this. <clears throat> Remember Everyone. when I said we haven't hit our stride this week? <laughs> it is starting to become more apparent. Yeah. Right, David, the next tweet comes from BT Flibberty Giggard. Would you please care to say hello? Greetings, curator. Yeah, finally got it fucking right. Okay. <laughs> BT says, the doctor blowing Graham off, who were misses, that's a bit rude, uh, made me realise that 12 and 13 are inverses of each other. He's a surface-level jerk sometimes, but he honestly tries, especially with the companions. While she seems nice on the surface but can't open up to save her life. Should have been a two-parter. And then BT says, I'm going to echo James Swift and say Eccleston. Mm-hmm. Well, after the, all that, after all that yeah. fuss, you're just going to go, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I... I, I um, just say, cool th- tweet, there's... bro, what's next, and we'll move on. Okay, cool tweet, bro, what's next? We, we've always got that in our back pocket, David, if we're stuck. <laughs> okay. Right. Do you want to get your act together? Because the next one comes from royalty. Okay. okay. I'll do my best. We have a Marty McLean Hall of Famer in the, his house. Mm-hmm. We have Sonia, who says, I haven't gotten to Jody yet, so just here to put forth 11th hour for E. Or if that doesn't count, because technically there's a the in front of it, Elizabeth Sladen. Yeah. Both solid E choices there, I would say. Right. And the final tweet this week, David, comes from another Marty McLean Hall of Famer. Would you please say hello to Marie Boudreau? Hello, Marie. Okay. Marie says, I really like the lore in this one. The two gods were well played and plenty frightening. I'd love a longer story in their history because it was that interesting. The companions got some good storyline concerning their own lives and that was nice to see. Standalone, good episode, but it didn't really fit with the ongoing arc, which is what we are dying to get to. And obviously, E is for eggs. Like, <laughs> like the moon. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So uh, that's listener tweets for this week, David. Great. Uh, I've just got to apologise. I'm just going to interrupt the recording. I've just got some admin to do. Of course. Yeah, uh, you crack Sorry, on. I've just got a little list to go through. Lone Cyberman, no. Master slash Gallifrey, no. Fugitive Doctor, no. Everything is a lie. I'll put a question mark next to that one. Not quite sure. Uh, so, Praxius. Uh, that was last week. So, can you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can hear you, Matt. Yeah, it turns out when I'd been flicking through my notebook, I'd stopped on the wrong page. <laughs> Should we do Praxius again? 
<laughs> no, I'm quite keen to talk about this one, to be honest, Matt. What did you think of Can You Hear Me? Um, it was okay. Yeah, it's a good one, I think. Yeah, I don't know it's if I'd not... go all out good episode, but it was better than some of the absolute dross we've watched recently. Uh, definitely. I mean, apart from anything else, you're like, say what you like, it is trying stuff. Yeah. It takes some big swings, this episode. Um, if I, if you can indulge me in a food analogy, Matt, mm-hmm. I'm fond of a food analogy, as you know. Um, to me, this episode is like, you know when you order, like, an elaborate burger in an upmarket pub, and it's like, they, they've got to stick a little cocktail stick in it to hold the whole thing together and, like, in your heart of hearts, maybe it doesn't need that slice of tomato there or, you know, there's just a bit too much sauce and it's spilling out to one side. But, you know, deep down, it's still it's still pretty good. Mm. Like, you're having a good... It's, it's, it's a mess, but it's a good mess and you're having a good time with it. That is how I feel about this episode. Mm-hmm. It definitely is really wonkily paced and has too many ideas in it to, f- to comfortably fit into 50 minutes of television. Um, and, and like Praxius, definitely could have been a two-parter. T- I mean, the villains, quite frankly, the villains, they, they could be, you know, series arc villains. I, I was just easily. about to say, they should be bigger. Yeah. It's really frustrating that you've got some, you know, such powerful, massive, interesting, well-performed villains, and you, you know, they are dealt with very offhandedly, mm. you know, in the in the last few minutes of the episode. Um, well, not even because there's quite an extended coda. There's a lot of mopping up that takes place after the villains have been dealt with. So it's like, yeah, the pacing is really weird. Um, but I yeah I do like it I really like a lot of the concepts and and it really feels like it's yes it is about something with a capital A and a capital S um but it does that I think a little more effectively than either Orphan 55 or Praxius did it feels a, a little more organic yeah rather than just clobbering you over the head with a with a very specific message. Now, one thing I feel I have to say before we start reviewing this... Yes, of course. ...is a lot of people alluded to Yaz's development, backstory, what have you. Yeah. Now, I don't know if I looked away or made a cup of tea at exactly the wrong moment. Yes. But there were bits of that that, at the end, I just didn't understand. Okay, so I try to explain it for you well, quickly now up top? Right, so I got the whole part at the end that she was running away and that police lady turned her around and at the end she went back and said thank you and gave her 50p. Right? Yeah. But her and her sister were having a meal for an anniversary. Yes. And then she kept dreaming of that other girl. Like, what was that? Okay, so um, the anniversary was marking the day that she ran away. Ah, okay. 
So it, it, it's to be fair, the dialogue doesn't spell that out very distinctly. But it's basically because I think the thing is that their parents never even knew. Right. Because this it took place over one day. Um, her her sister got really scared and and you know called called the police and, and and you know that intervention took place and so her sister was just glad to have her back and like it's a way of of them acknowledging this really significant thing that happened to them both because i didn't know about the running away at the time yeah. i was like are they mourning someone then she dreams of this random girl yeah and i'm like oh that's who she is that not that's her sister isn't it, it uh, i'm pretty sure that is I her don't sister know. it could be I'm I'm pretty certain. You know, you're making me question myself because I have only seen this the third time I've seen this episode, something like that. Um, I don't know because so, when I was watching it, obviously I had to like look down to write notes. Uh, probably. Yeah. No, it is. It's not easy if you if you're taking notes, but but yeah. So that's what they're marking. They're marking the anniversary of her running away. And my understanding of that dream sequencing is it's her sister sort of like talking her down there. So rather than being, which is what kind of what part of what makes it a nightmare is rather than her sister being supportive and concerned about her and, and there for her, she's kind of being like, oh, yeah, no one's going to care if you go. Um, so, yeah, but I, I definitely understand why someone could watch this episode and miss some key details and be very confused by that whole thing. Um, and. Whilst I do appreciate what James is saying, that it's like a backstory is not the same thing as character development, I'll, I'll take it over no backstory. Yeah. It's something. It does at least give us some context for who Yaz is as a person going forwards. We understand, for example, I think very clearly now, why she chose to, to train to be a police officer. Yeah. yeah. She had a really significant moment in her life that you know, an interaction with a police officer that made her see things differently. And that's obviously, you know, continues to have a huge impact on her. Um, yeah, I, I, I like, I like it as a subplot. Um, there really aren't many individual elements about this episode that I don't like. It's more a case of how well integrated they are and whether there is enough time to give them all the space they need to be effective mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh yeah right overall quite positive on this should one. we jump in let's do it okay so this is not praxius it is can you hear me uh yep. written by charlene jones with chris chibnall yeah direct... writer which is nice mm, not one i'd heard of and it's directed yep. by emma sullivan yes okay so uh it's episode seven of, I don't know why I've put series 17. That's, that's obviously <laughs> Well, wrong. that's ambitious. That's obviously wrong. I think I've just yeah. seen the seven and just got... I'm going to ask you, Matt. Do you reckon we'll get to series 17? Uh, yeah. You think it'll happen? Yeah. What, before they cancel yeah. the show? Or before we cancel yeah, out? Yeah, before, before New, before New, no, before New Who's cancelled. Yeah, because right. it's, it's Flux 13. Flux is thirteen. Yeah, because yeah, then you one doc, a new Doctor's three series, isn't it? Pretty much. So that seems to be the standard nowadays. We're as good as that. Yeah. 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 
Right, so it's from the 9th of February, 2020. It is indeed. Okay, so we're in Aleppo, Syria in 1380. There's a thief girl called Tahira who is on the run. Yeah. Uh, She tells her friend to keep everyone safe because they are real. Yeah. Sleep is when they come. And when nighttime does arrive, there's a big creature with big horrible claws. It kills Tahira's friend and then roars. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Big scary monsters. Okay. So after the titles, the farm are all back in Sheffield. Um, yeah, that... it's not. It's kind of, kind of, kind of nice. It's been a while since we've sort of popped back home with this particular group, isn't it? Yeah, and it's good to know they have a day off. <laughs> they basically get twenty four hours at home, although they do arrive seventy seven minutes than they later than they wanted to. Yeah. Okay. The doctor gets left alone, which yeah, I I didn't think they would do after she was like, oh yeah, when I'm on my own, I just got a Gallifrey for a bit. <laughs> Apparently they've all forgotten. Clearly really miserable. Yeah. Yeah. I love how badly the Doctor copes with being left on her own. Yeah. Because within two minutes she gets a warning from Aleppo and goes off, but not before we see a man on the TARDIS. Oh, yes, yeah. Okay. Get our first little check-in with uh, with Zelen. So Yaz goes to talk to her sister... Yeah, uh, Ryan goes to visit his friend, and I, I didn't really get this because he's like, yeah. "Oh, can you let me in? I've got chips." And his friend goes, "No," and then Ryan just goes, "But I got chip though," and then they let him in. He just like goes, "I got chips though," and then <laughs> like I don't know what is he okay. meant to be singing it? Is it a private joke between friends? <laughs> but God. <laughs> It's, I felt like that was a very, that I thought was good, good performances from both of them because that struck me as a very genuine sort of friendship thing. Like, you, you, the, 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 these people, these guys had known each other for a long time and were very comfortable in each other's company. And so, like, even though, as we find out, Timbo is really not in a good space, um, He's, he's like, look, I I know you're not going to take no for an answer. You you do have chips, all right then. You know, I don't know. That felt really genuine to me. Mm. Obviously, it didn't land that way with you, but uh, no. And he had loads of locks on his door. He did. He surely did. Yeah, and he explains why in a little bit, doesn't he? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so whilst that's going on, Graham just gets the boys round and plays a game of cards with his old mates. Yeah. Okay. So the doctor arrives in Aleppo and she's in one of the first ever hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't really want to address it, but I, I thought they were a bit heavy handed with how they were like, this episode, we're going to address mental health. Yeah. I mean, it's not, like I say, it's, it, I, I'm not saying it's perfect at it. Like I say, it's definitely like, here's what we're going to be doing. But it still feels less heavy-handed than the environmental episodes we've had this series. So it kind of gets a free pass. Yeah. Beca- because of that, for me. 
Um, and also, I mean, sod it. It's, it's, it's worth talking about. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't... It's, I don't really want to overly criticise anything when its heart's in the right place. And I, I would say this episode, absolutely, it is. Okay, so uh, she meets Tahira, who tells her there's one creature still remaining. Yeah. And then I've described it as a werewolf ape. Decent description. Yeah. Yeah. I'm... I don't love the design of these creatures. They feel so generic to me. Like... Oh, yeah. They, they are just big furry beasts. Yeah. Like, I feel like... Oh, I would... I don't know. I don't know what I would have done differently. But... They just feel like so off the peg. Just um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so the doctor. But then, then again, they're barely in it, so it hardly matters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the doctor gives it a scan on the sonic screwdriver, and they don't exist. They never have. They never will. Yeah. Okay. So Graham has a vision of a young girl. Yeah. Who says, "I'm trapped. This is what he did to me." And this is where we meet. Is it Rakaya? Rakaya? Um, yeah. Let me do. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, Ryan begins to show some concern for his friend who is acting as himself. And we find out he's having nightmares of a man. But not just that, he's seeing the man in reality. Yeah. Okay. Yaz and her sister are having the aforementioned anniversary dinner. And falls asleep where she dreams of a girl. Obviously, I yeah. don't know that that is her sister. And the man is really there as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I think this might be the best uh, notes I've ever written for this show, David. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, the man visits Ryan's sleeping mate, gives him a wet willy, then vanishes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It's the most perverse thing. Just sticking my finger in a sleeping man's ear. Uh, it's horrible, isn't it? Like, um, we, we, let's talk about this then, because this is probably the first really big mad idea of this story. And this story does not lack for big mad ideas. So what did you think of Zelen's detachable nightmare thinkers? <laughs> Just like, what? I mean... We've done everything else. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I've got to admit, the first time I watched this episode and that bit happened, I was just like, "What? What are we doing here? Yeah. What? What's? What's the? What's the game plan for having? But it's like detachable magic finger. Uh, man? It's the Richard Herring joke, isn't it? Where you have one finger that can travel through time. <laughs> yeah. Um... It's it, to, to be fair, it is genuinely nightmare and I wouldn't be surprised if it's come directly from uh, the nightmares of one of the writers in, in this. Um, so, yeah, fair enough. Right. I'm going to have a cream soda, David. Go for it. Good luck. Mm. Oh, that is vanillary. Which uh, Which brand is that one? Stubbins. 
Stubbins. You know what? I think that might be my favourite out of the three. Ooh. Yeah, I, I think I prefer that. It's agave vanilla cream soda. Oh, very fancy. Mm. Yeah, that, I think this is my favourite. You can hear it fizzing away there. Oh, it's so fizzy. Wow. Right. Uh, Tahira talks to the doctor until the fam all call the doctor at once. Yes. To relay yeah. the problems they're having. And the doctor finds an alien fur sample. Yeah. Okay. The TARDIS says that these aliens, again, simply do not exist. Uh, so they decide they're going to use the telepathic circuits on Graham to help find the planets he's seen in his vision where this girl was imprisoned. Yeah. I do quite like Graham's line where, where, where the doctor's like, could you, do you think you could tell me which, which planets they are? And, and Graham's like, Oh yeah. If you get me an A to Z of the universe, I can just put my finger right. No, of course I can't. Yeah. Um, I like it when Graham gets a little bit sassy like that. Yeah, well, it's just nice to have something to break the norm, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, instead of just everyone always talking to each other and just being a little bit grumpy and miserable, it's just nice to have him to break it. Yeah, definitely. Right. Um, so they go to a space station. There's two planets colliding. Mm-hmm. But something between them is stopping them crashing. Right, yes. Okay. So it's the girl Graham saw. Yeah. And I did like this bit where they're having like an in-depth conversation about, oh, wow, what, what are these planets doing? And then Yaz just goes, um, there's fingers everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there are. There's just fingers all over the place. There are, indeed. Okay. Um, so, the orb is a prison. So, between the two yeah. planets, there's a prison. Okay. And Tahira's gone wandering. She finds her friend from earlier. She finds the aliens from earlier. And she finds a man who shoots fingers at her. <laughs> yep. Now... I feel like I've maybe missed the boat on addressing this, but I, one of my biggest criticisms for this episode would probably be the fact that Tahira is essentially an additional companion for this episode, mm. and there just isn't enough time to do anything with her. Yeah. Like, honestly, as much as I'm interested in the whole um, stuff in Aleppo, I feel like if I was going to retool this episode, that would be the thing I cut. Yeah. Just take that whole, everything related to that out and give more breathing space to our existing established companions. And I feel like it's just because uh, e either Chris Chibnall or Charlene James did a bit of research, read about how Syria had some of the earliest mental hospitals and actually they were, you know, pretty progressive by standards of some of the stuff that would come later and that's really fascinating and that's a good little history lesson and they couldn't and they couldn't let go of that even as the rest of the episode evolved and crowded out 
that initial bit of interest. Yeah. If that makes sense. I I feel like that's what's happened here. And and it's it's a shame because that is all fascinating, but there just isn't room for it to coexist with all of the other mad stuff that we're doing in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. We can just I, I agree. If we were gonna chop anything, that's that's yeah. what would go. Right. Uh, Yaz has a dream where she sees her sister again, telling her nobody is coming. Uh, Ryan sees his mate as an old man and Earth is on fire. We see the monsters from Orphan 55 again. Yeah. Uh, Everyone's favourite. Yeah. In Yeah, like, who'd have thought they'd be the ones coming back? <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, in the most heartbreaking scene of the episode, Graham's in hospital and Grace tells him his cancer is back. Yeah, that's that's a rough one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, like, finding out Earth's on fire and everything, that is still fiction, but that one is quite I mean, a human is it story. Fiction? Well, no, but... You... Is it fiction, Matt? <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, no, go on. You, 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 um, you're right, though. It It's so much more... small. It's smaller scale... And so much easier to relate with. You could you can put yourself in Graham's shoes there. Yeah. In a way that it's hard to when what you're looking at is just the concept of global catastrophe. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the man approaches the doctor. We find out he is an eternal. Yeah. Okay. So just like the old white and black guardians. Yep, like the Eternals in, in their in their fancy little uh, swan hats. Yes, and and uh, and the spaceships, you know. Well, I did think because he dresses all in black, and that girl dresses all in white. I was like, "All oh, right, has mm-hmm. David been clever and shown me that?" Because the Guardians are back. No, no. sadly not. No. Yeah, no. I would love it if RTD uh, did something with the black and white Guardian for. Uh, Probably couldn't do it with his first series, but maybe maybe series 15? Yeah. Bring the Guardians back. That would be I know fun. it's an episode I haven't seen, but I also noticed he talks about the Celestial Toymaker. He does, yeah. They they all get a name check. Yeah. Um, I'm certain one of our friend podcasts has reviewed that recently. That's how I knew that. Yeah, it's one that I've not... I've not done because I, it's, it's, I think, partially or mostly missing. Um... I'm. I am planning on filling in some of those gaps with some of those missing stories um, as soon as I'm finished with uh, watching McCoy's final season, which is what I'm on at the moment in my spare time. Oh, really? I recently started Battlefield. Yeah. Good. Is it so, going well? Yeah, I'm really. I'm really liking McCoy. Good. Does you it... get used to the constant R rolling. Because have we only watched one McCoy story? So far, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when we watched that, I was like, did not like his portrayal. But then I started following Sylvester McCoy on Twitter, and he's just like a jaunty old man, just having a whale of a time in life. Yes, definitely. Yeah. He is full of joie de vivre. Yeah. I also forgot he played Radagast in The Hobbit. Yeah, and that was just because Peter Jackson is a massive fan of his hero of Doctor Who. Oh, really? Yeah. There was a lot of talk of Peter Jackson coming in to direct an episode of Doctor Who at one point, but they could never quite make the scheduling work. Oh, wow. Right. So, yeah, this is Zelen. 
He's stealing yeah. nightmares to feed the girl in the prison. Yeah. Because the doctor thought she had freed a prisoner, but actually, Zelin wanted the lock to be broken this mm. whole time. Two episodes on the trot where the doctor has just been sort of like played a bit. Yeah. Which I, I like. I, I, I like a, a fallible doctor who is capable of making mistakes and errors of judgment. And I will also say, shout out to Ian Gelder, who plays Zelin. I think he pitches his performance perfectly. That, that's, it's not... that's what I mean. He should be a seasoned bad guy. Like, yeah. the performance is brilliant, and yeah. it's got so much weight behind it. If you think mm-hmm. his villain gets as much time as, you know, the, the Praxius virus... <laughs> and you know it's like a one and done he's too good to be lost in yeah. the shuffle like that yeah definitely definitely but i just i just love that like it would be so easy with a character like that to go like really hammy and just start tearing chunks out of the scenery he doesn't do that he also doesn't massively underplay it it's just like you can see he is having fun with it without going overboard it's yeah great performance um, so, yeah, he seemingly worships this prisoner, and this is where we get a nice little animated backstory. Yes. That they are gods that had a wager to destroy their planet first. Yeah. Uh, until they'd caused so much ruin, they turned their planets against one another, and then the planets began to rise up to fight the gods. And what they did was trap this lady... Uh, that's Rakea, isn't it? I said that earlier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In a prison between the two planets and forced the two <coughs> planets to squash her. Okay, except they were unable to, so she was seemingly just trapped there forever until the doctors finally freed her. Yeah, okay, so let's talk about that animated sequence. Because that is... We've never seen the like on Doctor Who no, before. No, it was really good. We've never seen it. So good. And, like, if you're going to do an exposition dump, that's the way to do it. Because, I mean, that's all it is, but it's just a means to an end in terms of, like, getting the, the audience and the Doctor up to speed on what's actually going on. But you don't care because it's it's brisk, and because it's presented in this way that is so dynamic and different to anything we've seen before, it gives it this sort of like mythic quality because it's almost like cave paintings or something. Uh-huh. Um, oh, it's gorgeous. It, it, I, I, I was just it, the first time I saw that, I was just elated because I, 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 I love the fact that more than 50 years on, people are still finding different things to do with Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. That That's and, really and exciting it, to me. It would have been easy to do a cheap animation, but there's a nice style to it. It yeah, feels, yeah. you know, professionally done. Yeah, they, they've re- yeah they've, they've, they've made some actual creative choices with it. Uh, 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 yeah, no, it's really nice. Um, and almost for that reason alone... Even though ultimately it is just an exposition dump, like I could never hate this episode because it's it it feels like it's trying something different. Yeah, yeah. Um. Right. 
So it turns out that Rekaya loved the nightmare so much that she was fed. She wants to go to Earth to get more. Mm-hmm. And the doctor, David, has a little yeah. dream. Oh, dear. A little dream of the lie of the timeless child. Yeah. So we do get... You You said no no to timeless child when you were doing your little tick list. Oh, no. Do I, get a little, I said little everything is a lie, maybe. Yeah. So finally, finally, we get... You know, we've got, th- what, three episodes to tie it all up? Yeah. We need to get a move on. Okay. Surely do. So the Doctor frees herself and then frees the fan. And it turns out she can control the fingers with the sonic screwdriver. Yes, indeed. And it turns out Tahira can also control the aliens because they're her nightmares. So the one thing they can't do is kill her because then they'll cease to exist. That's why they don't exist in the Doctor's like knowledge because they, yeah. they only exist solely in Tahira's brain. Yeah. Okay. So Rakea begins absorbing nightmares and then goes to 1380 Aleppo where the Doctor just warns them away. So she hears the alien that Tahira has made cry, so they journey through time to go see it, and the Doctor just basically says, enough's enough, can you just stop and go away? Yeah. Okay. So Tahira conquers her fear, that's how she controls the alien, by not being afraid of it anymore. And the Doctor just shoots fingers at the Eternals, which puts them back in the prison. Both of them this time. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. That's how it ties up. Yeah, Um, and that's the thing. That feels to me too quick and easy for such powerful villains. Yeah. That would be my my biggest criticism by far. Imagine if if we ditched an an, an episode this series and made this a two-parter. You know, as much as I said Praxius could have been a two-parter and that would have improved it, ditch Praxius altogether. Do this as a two-parter in the middle of the series. Yeah. Wouldn't that have been something? Yeah. Like I say, I'm a little bit sad that they're they're locked in prison forever now and they, you know, they could be big bads. Yeah. And and what a great... You've got a great cliffhanger there with the, like... Um, oh shit! You thought you were you were helping this poor prisoner, but actually they were in prison for a bloody good reason, Doctor. And you've made a terrible mistake. That's a great cliffhanger. Yeah, like imagine if he brought these back instead of Commander Gat, <laughs> and it turned out that they were out hunting the Doctor yeah. as well. To be fair, I do still really like Gat's costume. Yeah. So right, you know, there is that. They've, Gat's got that going for them. Very little else. <laughs> they got a lovely costume. So Ryan says goodbye to Tebow, his friend, yeah. and encourages him to talk to their other friends about his well-being. Yeah. Which I think he's handled pretty well. It is. It is. You just get a lovely small scene of what I imagine is some kind of support group. Um, you know, he, he has this little confession of, like... Um, trying to go to the shops just to have a bit of human contact and it's all flipping self-checkouts. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great little human moment, isn't it? Mm. Um, Yeah. Right. I feel like we've already discussed this, so I'll breeze through it. Uh, We get a flashback of Yaz three years earlier where she wants to run away. 
is yeah. stopped by a policewoman, and the policewoman says, look, I bet you 50p in three years' time things will be better. So yeah. Yaz goes to repay the 50p debt. The lady obviously remembers her, and, yeah. you know, we kind of get Yaz's motif a little bit. Yes, yeah. We, we, we finally got a lens through which we can view Yaz as a character. Isn't that nice to have one and a half series in? Um, and I, I will say as well, uh, I'm just looking on the cast list to see if I can find... Um, is it maybe Nazreen Hussein playing the... Um, playing the, the police officer? Uh, Hard to say. Well I'm be. not certain. I'm not certain. I think through process of elimination on the on the cast list, it must be her. But um, I think that's a great little performance she does when when she opens the door and she just says, "Yasmin Khan, I bloody do remember you." Yeah, that's a really nice emotional moment. Yeah. Um, Again, it's done well. Yeah, it is. Right. Uh, Graham opens up to the doctor, but the doctor is kind of like, yeah, I suppose I'd probably say the right thing, but I'm a bit awkward. Uh, okay. Pushes yeah. him to can, one side a little bit. Can we can we hit pause on this for one second so I can have a tiny little rant, Matt? Of course. Um, so, this is a controversial scene that gets pulled up a lot in fandom and used as an example. Frankly, he used as a stick with which to beat Chris Chibnall, where they say it's out of character for the Doctor, it's an awful thing to do, etc., etc., etc. And there will probably be some of our listeners who, who have that opinion. I know, I know, for example, James Courtney basically said... It wasn't using it as a stick to beat Chibnall with. Not as, you know, some people go really, really extreme with their hatred for this scene, um, which J James didn't do. And, and and ultimately, these are opinions. Everyone is allowed an opinion. That is fine. Um, speaking as someone who is autistic, who genuinely really does struggle sometimes to say the right thing or find the words for people especially in situations like that where you are caught off guard and someone wants emotional I, I experience this a lot with my partner where she just needs to moan about something for me uh, about something to me and and all I can do is try and offer practical advice and if I can't think of any practical advice, I just don't know what to say. Mm. Um, that is something I have struggled with my whole life and will not change because that's the way my brain is wired. Um, the doctor uses the shorthand of socially awkward. Maybe that's a poor choice of words. But hey, that's kind of what this whole scene is about. Not knowing what to say. Um, I find that a profoundly relate relatable scene. And it's genuinely hurtful and upsetting when people, when when I read some of the, the discussions around that scene within fandom, where people basically react as though the Doctor might as well have just 
jams a knife in in Graham's face. Well, can I can I read you the official BBC statement on that scene? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So, in response to emails of complaint, the BBC said that the scene was never meant to be dismissive. The doctor's friend was scared, and we see her struggling to deal with the severity of that situation, and that the intention of the scene was to acknowledge how hard it can be to deal with conversations on this subject matter. When faced with these situations, people don't always have the right words to say at the right time, and this can often lead to feelings of guilt. By showing the Doctor struggling to find the right words, the intention was to sympathise with all those who may have found themselves in a similar position. Exactly. So that's why I say, for me, it's actually a profoundly important and significant scene um that really th- that it, and ultimately one that i think endears me to both of the characters because I, I okay one thing that the doctor says i probably should say something reassuring right now but i can't find the right words so i'm just going to go over here and have a little think and come back to you and say what i should have said so she doesn't say Screw you, Graham, I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Which is what some people seem to interpret that scene as somehow. I don't know how. Genuinely, I feel, again, I feel like it's people looking for reasons to hate this current era. And, um, you know, more weapons for their arsenal to that effect. Um, I, I re... And I, I like how Graham reacts to that where he sort of just sort of chuckles and says well i'm glad we had this little chat you know he sort of gets that it's like he's put her on the spot there and it was maybe unrealistic to expect the doctor to have the right words at the tip of her tongue yeah um but still it was it was worth him saying it i think it's i think it's a wonderful scene it's one of my favourite parts of the episode. So I just kind of wanted to defend that and obviously add my own personal experience to that. And I, of course, I know I am I am coming to that scene with a very particular baggage and a very particular history that most people won't have. But uh, yeah, it, it, genuinely, there have been there have been discussions around that scene that I have read online and some of the, 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 the language used around it has been quite upsetting to me because it basically does make me feel as an autistic person as therefore as, as somehow I, you know, I should be ashamed of, of not react, of, of, of probably reacting in a similar way to the doctor does in those kinds of situations. That's quite an upsetting thing to read. Yeah. So um, I just kind of wanted to, I, I, I did want to kind of acknowledge that and um, hopefully give people some thoughts. To, and, and, and to be clear, this is not me having a pop at anyone or remotely suggesting that if anyone's had thoughts along those lines, that they should necessarily change their opinion. Um, but I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm adding my perspective to that conversation. Right. Sorry. Okay. Unpause. Don't worry. I've got like one line left to read. 
Yeah. Uh, Ryan questions how long they can do this for. Yeah. Which I think is maybe one of the first times we've seen that with the companion. Yeah, I would say this is the first time we've got any any hint that anyone maybe not be maybe thinking about um, ducking out of the team. Yeah, and totally understandable that it's coming from Ryan, who you know do, do, does have a social life and. Let's be honest, out of the three of them, probably the least clear as to why he's still travelling with the Doctor. Mm. So, yeah, makes sense. And then, after years of me joking about it, David, they're off to go see a Frankenstein. (laughs) I I thought we'd got that with that zombie cowboy man. But no, we're going to see the real Frankenstein. That'll be fun, won't it? Yeah, I'm sure that's going to help me work out the uh, lie of the timeless child. Yeah, so uh, strap in, Matt, because next week we will be discussing The Haunting of Villa Diodati. Great. I'm excited already. I can feel your excitement, Matt. Yeah. Great. Well, um, I hope you're excited too, listeners. Do join us next week for that episode. Um, But until then, as always... Thank you ever so much for listening. And cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.